Hello and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com, a website newsletter dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. And that's what we do here at the Victory Bell, the podcast as well. You get a lot of information about Valpo athletics, not just men's basketball, but other sports as well. But I will say today is focused a little bit on men's basketball. We'll get to that in a little bit as we've got Kai McEwen joining from Three Man Weave. Kai wrote the Missouri Valley Conference preview for the Almanac, which is a 814-page, say it again, 814-page season preview for the men's college basketball season put together by Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, the group at Field of 68. It is wonderful. Great stuff in there. Kai is going to break down how he sees the Valley from kind of the outside world a little bit. Obviously, there's uh, myself and all the other beat reporters. We kind of look at through it in a certain lens, but it's always nice to kind of see where is the Valley, lo- what does it look like from a national level? And so we bring in Kai in a little bit to talk about that. Do want to touch on some things at Valpo right now? Looking at thevictorybell.com, we got some fun stories up there. I had a blast with one that I called Speech Play. I really, you know, I've been watching a lot of Hollywood movies, sports movies lately. And, uh, you know, watch Friday Night Lights, watch Miracle, watched uh, a handful of other ones. And it just kind of struck me, like, these these speeches that are made in these movies, Hoosiers is another one, uh, do these speeches actually happen? Remember the Titans has got a good one, Mir- uh, We Are Marshall has got one. Um, some of these are related to the game. Some of these are related to some kind of things in the outside world a little bit. Any Given Sunday has got a really good one. And I just thought to myself, like, do these speeches actually happen or do they not? And so I wanted to set out to find out who are speech givers on Valpo's campus? Who who are the coaches that are given speeches? Do they work for the players? And I found a whole bunch of interesting stuff, right? John Maravich and Landon Fox, both big speech givers. John Maravich with Valpo soccer, Landon Fox with Valpo football. Uh, Karen Avery, not so much, kind of laughed at me when I asked her the question. Uh, Mary Evans, Valpo women's basketball, you know, enjoyed them a little bit when she was a player, doesn't really deliver them now. Matt Lotta kind of fancies himself a speech giver, talked to a couple of his players who kind of rolled their eyes a little bit and said, no, he he doesn't really give a lot of speeches. Um, You know, and then they they went on to say that he would get fired up at times. And that's kind of what Matt said, too. but, uh, but go ahead and check out thevictorybell.com. We've got that story there. Also a breakdown of kind of where Valpo was picked to finish in the men's basketball uh, Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, Kobe King, third team all-conference preseason. Ben Cricky, first team all-conference. That's up there. A breakdown of last week's Valpo-Butler football game entitled The Team Went South. Uh, play off of the fact that uh, they refer to Butler as the team down south. Uh, Valpo had that game. I mean, they had that game, and they left way too much, way too many points on the field. Special teams miscues, a couple of missed extra points. They had a, um, a field goal that went wide right. Then they had a really interesting situation where they were going to go for an extra point. I think they had a false start penalty. Then they took a timeout, and then they went for a two-point conversion instead, despite it being further back, and they didn't get that. Uh, and just leaving points on the field. A couple of special teams, punt return or kickoff return miscues set them up for bad field position, which Butler took advantage. 
it, it was kind of a perfect storm of things that had to go wrong for Valpo in that game. And coming out of that game, you know, I, I thought, uh, and, and I'll be the first to admit here, um, had a lot of stuff going on in, in, uh, that took up time this week where normally where I'd be able to sit down with Landon Fox, it just didn't come to fruition with my schedule. I had, it was the, he wasn't dodging anything. Let's be clear on that. Um, it just, I was, I had meetings all week long. And so, uh, and, and also, uh, you know, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I got rear ended last week. Um, and so I've been dealing with that a little bit, uh, coming off of I-49 or not I-49, coming off 49, highway 49 in Valpo. I, I yielded and, um, car behind me did not and uh, drove right into the back of my car. So I've been dealing with that. So um, anyway, so my, I've had other things kind of pulling me away from this. So I did not get a chance to kind of have a weekly checkup with Landon Fox. And one of the questions that I, I saw people being kind of critical about a little bit, at least online or hearing buzz from people as was questioning, you know, why was, uh, why was Mason Kaplan in the game at the end and not Michael Apple jr. Um, I don't, and I get the question. I think if, if when Kaplan's out there, you ask the question, where, why isn't Apple Jr. out there? And if Apple Jr. is out there, you probably ask the question of why isn't Kaplan out there? Um, I don't, let's, let's be clear when I say this, I don't think quarterback was the problem at the end of the game. I don't think quarterback was a problem throughout the game. Both Apple Jr. and Kaplan, I thought, played well. Now, yes, Kaplan threw the interception on the last play of the game, throwing probably into triple coverage ball was tipped up in the air and was intercepted, but he moved them down there just fine. And, uh, and Apple might've been able to do the same thing. So uh, I think if you're going to point to anything in that game, it was obviously the special teams miscues were a big, big part of that for Valpo. And that's tough because if Valpo wins that game, you know, suddenly now they're, they're three and zero in conference, and they're feeling good about themselves going to Moorhead State, a place that they have not done well at. Maybe won one game uh, going back in the last fifteen years, sixteen years or so. Um, it's going to be a tough one on Saturday, and then and then at Dayton after that, which they're down this year, but it's still Dayton. It's still going to be a tough game, and but. Now, you know, you win, you win that game against Butler, you keep the helmet, you've got a lot of emotion, you're 3-0 and in conference, maybe you go spring a game at Moorhead State, you roll into Dayton, you take care of that, and now you're home on November 5th against St. Thomas playing for a PFL championship, basically, because, I mean, they're the only undefeated team left, I believe, in the conference, and there's a whole host of teams that are 2-1. and one. Nothing has been decided yet, nothing, the season is not a lost cause because they lost to Butler but it does feel like a big, big missed opportunity. A lot of good happened out on the field. Aaron Dawson uh, setting a new program record with a 99-yard touchdown run. Now, the only reason it was a 99-yard touchdown run is because of a terrible special teams miscue that happened right beforehand. Again, kind of the 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 recipe of the day there for Valpo's downfall as they gave up 20 points in the fourth quarter. But you can read a lot more about that game at thevictorybelt.com. And then finally, um, at least uh, since our last podcast, we had a, uh, a Valpo women's soccer, Valpo soccer. I'm, I'm going to call them Valpo soccer because there is no Valpo. Uh, they're the only Valpo soccer team. And so we call it Valpo volleyball. We call it Valpo softball. We call it Valpo baseball. We're going to call it Valpo soccer. And uh, so the Valpo soccer team, they played um, Southern Illinois on Thursday night, Thai, uh, the third straight game where Valpo was trailing and they came back to get a result 
uh, either a point off a tie or three points off a win at Belmont and Murray State, a pair of games where they were trailing 1-0 in both matches and came back to win 2-1. Well, Thursday night, Valpo fell down in the 62nd minute. They kind of gave up a goal that that you felt like it was doomed. There was an opportunity for Valpo to clear the ball earlier in the possession and uh, and it didn't happen. And and so it kind of gave an extra possession to Southern Illinois. It felt, I don't know a terrible amount about soccer, so I could be talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but it looked like in the moment when they didn't clear the ball out of the area that Southern Illinois had an opportunity to take advantage of it. And they dropped a, a shot right over the outstretched arms of Nikki Coriel Valpo's all-conference goalkeeper who has been a star for the last several years and again this year. Uh, So that was tough for Valpo, but they answered the call five minutes later. Kelsey James, who had nine goals last year for Valpo, was their dominant scorer, has yet to find the back of the net this season, but she is now tied for the team lead with five assists. She takes all the corner kicks for Valpo. She dropped in a perfectly placed ball, which uh, Lindsey Dusatko got ahead on it and was able to pound the ball in with her head. And and so that got Valpo on the board, tied the game 1-1. Dusatko actually given a yellow card about 90 seconds later, about a minute later, uh, she was given a yellow card, very, very physical uh, play in the late stages of the match as as Valpo came into the match in second place, Southern Illinois in third place. And, uh, And then moments after the yellow card, there was kind of a breakaway for Dusatko, who was racing down. She's the fastest player on the team for my money racing down the ball and uh, had she gotten the ball before the Southern Illinois goalkeeper, uh, Allie Lawfer, I believe her name is, um, Dusatko would have had an easy goal. She'd have been able to pop, you know, the, the keeper was kind of running toward the ball and, and Dusatko had she gotten there first, but uh, got beat to the ball by a split second by the uh, the Southern Illinois goalkeeper who had a shorter run to the ball than Dusatko, but Dusatko still nearly got there. If that happens, Lindsay scores, Valpo likely wins. There's a whole mess of scenarios for Valpo. So the way that it works is the top eight teams make the conference tournament. They're in. They're locked into a top three seed at the moment. And Sunday is when the the final games occur. Southern Illinois is going to go to UIC if they... Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult if Valpo can get a result, if they can either tie, if they tie Indiana State, they're pretty much locked into the two seed because Southern Illinois would have to like outscore UIC by seven or something like that. It's something with goal differential. Um, If Valpo can beat Indiana State, they're the number two seed. If Valpo loses to Indiana State, who is, I think, on the outside looking in right now and, and might even be mathematically eliminated from the conference tournament race. Um, if Valpo loses to Indiana State, then there's still possibility of what Southern Illinois does with UIC that Valpo could still remain the number two seed. The only way for Valpo to win the number one, to get the number one seed, would be to beat Indiana State and have Missouri State go on the road and lose at last place Illinois State. And the only result that Illinois State has all year is a tie against Valpo. They're 0 7 and 1 right now, I believe. Are, uh, and, and that's just that's, that's tough for Valpo that, that they went to Illinois State and couldn't come away with three points. They only got the one point. They'd be a completely different conversation right now if they were able to have gotten that result against Illinois State. 
So Valpo, everything they want is still in front of them. I talk about all the scenarios on the in this article. Uh, beacons are fit to be tied. Again, a breakdown of the latest game against Southern Illinois with some some really interesting thoughts from Molly O'Rear, the freshman, about kind of how physical Valpo got down the stretch of that game. So couple of good stories that are that are sitting out there and we've got some more good stories to come as well uh, a couple of new additions to the men's basketball staff that are having really big impacts both on the court off the court roster construction all of that they've got some really interesting stuff so I'm trying to put those interviews together as well and then again we are we're we're getting closer and closer to the start of basketball season and uh, and also we're getting into the postseason soon for soccer uh, volleyball has got two more matches on the road this weekend coming up, and then next week they're back at home. Uh, they're in the second half of their slate now, and uh, they just had some, you know, some tough, tough road matches. Um, I think they're at Drake in Northern Iowa, which is again two really tough places to play. And uh, now they've lost both matches to Northern Iowa, and they've split with Drake. Uh, not a lot of teams are going to beat Drake. Um, they're a very, very good team, especially beat Drake on the road. So Valpo's got another uh, pair of Southern Illinois and Missouri State this weekend. Then they come home and they've got uh, some home matches coming up. So Indiana State, I believe, and uh, I think it's uh, Evansville are coming to town. So a lot going on here for Valpo, you know, and and obviously some of the other sports too. Golf um, wrapping up their fall season going on. Uh, Tennis also uh, at the ITAs right now. They've had some some good success there so far. That that will be unfolding over the coming days. Women's golf also wrapping up their fall tournaments. Uh, Baseball, softball playing some some scrimmage games, some some fall games, and now they're they're hitting the recruiting road here. And and, and so there's a lot going on here at Valpo, but obviously we're uh, we're, we're looking at football and volleyball and soccer as, as some big portions of their season coming up right now. And then again, we, we our eyes kind of turn a little bit to men's and women's basketball. Women's basketball picked to finish 10th in the league. Hard to argue with that. They've got so many unknowns. They lost so many of their top players from last year, some to graduation. Uh, Grace White, Kerry Weinman, Caitlin Morrison, some to transfer. Shea Frederick, Kara Van Kempen. I mean, right there, that's a starting five out the door. Um, Lauren Gunn also gone as well. Uh, so there's there's six players. That's a rotation that are uh, that are gone. Uh, but they bring back some players. They bring back Leah Ernest. They bring back Olivia Brown. They bring back Maya Dunson. They bring back Elise Pitts. Um, but who's going to emerge as the scorers for this team? Who's going to rebound for this team? Who's going to make shots for this team? Uh, who's going to lock down, defend for this team? I think there's a lot of questions going forward there. And then obviously with men's basketball, we'll touch on this with Kai in a little bit. And something that I touch on in the uh, the, the article I wrote the other day, which you can check out again at thevictorybell.com. You got Kobe King, you got Ben Cricky. And then what else do you have, right? A lot of unknowns, a lot of unproven players that are are rounding out the roster with this group. So who who takes the big shots if it's not Cricky or if it's not King? Uh, how are the freshmen going to evolve? You know, Ibra Bayou, how is Maximus Nelson? They've been banged up. This team has been banged up thus far. A couple guys uh, smacked their heads during a practice. They're out for a little bit. Uh, Bayou has been out for a little bit. Um, Preston Readinger has been dealing with a lingering shoulder. Uh, he's been out for a little bit. So, you know, but as Matt Lodick said to me, and it's in the article, so, you know, I don't want to give away the milk for free here, but, um, 
you know, basically said to me, look, we were doing four hours a week of practice on the court. Now we're doing 20 hours a week. And, you know, they've been doing it for a couple of weeks now where, you know, the bodies are, are, are not breaking down, but, but breaking in, I would say, you know, and, and how do you, now how do you fight through that adversity a little bit um, as, as you're getting ready for the season? Valpo does not, I repeat, does not have a secret scrimmage this year. Um, not having one of those, and uh, at some point we may get the reason for that. But they've uh, they 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 don't have one of those. They will have an exhibition game in a little over a week against Cedarville. That's a noon start on Saturday, October 29th. That's a noon start. Then there's a five o'clock start for volleyball later on that day. That's the reason why it's a noon start because there's a volleyball match later on that night. And volleyball being played earlier, you know, being played the night before Indiana State playing at UIC the night before. I think I think it's Indiana State in the second match. Um, the fact that they played the night before, they're not going to turn around and play at noon the next day. So that's why the basketball exhibition game is earlier in the day at noon. I guess yeah, you could do volleyball at five. That goes until eight. Then you then you're doing like a nine o'clock. You know, that's so so noon is where that's going to be. So all right. Valpo, it was really it was announced that they were picked ninth in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, hard to argue, hard to argue. They got two players that everybody knows, and beyond that, what do they have? So, uh, pick to finish ninth. Uh, for more on the Missouri Valley Conference, now I'm excited to bring in Kai McEwen from Three Man Weave. Uh, we'll explain a little bit more about who Kai is, why we're talking to him. But I, I really enjoyed this interview. I think you will too. Enjoy. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week as we inch closer to the start of college basketball season. Can't wait. Thrilled to have a special guest right now. Uh, Kai McEwen is with us. Kai McEwen is one of the founders of Three Man Weave and contributed a boatload of words about the Missouri Valley Conference to the Almanac, which is, for my money, and I spent the money, the best college basketball preview. We'll get into it in a little bit. Kai, thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Paul. That's high praise for the Almanac. Appreciate it. Uh, so the Almanac, let's get, I'll start with it right now. Rob Doster and everyone knows Rob, right? Like if you cover NCAA basketball in any way, shape or form, he's got kind of a lumberjack presence, right? Mm. I, I got to know Rob through covering some, whenever stuff would come to Chicago, Champions Classic, Regionals, anything like that. I got to know him. He was covering college basketball for a long time, ends up kind of starting his own thing, the field of 68, and it grew from there. And he set forward to do the best preview of college basketball, every conference, but not only every conference. I mean, basically treating the Missouri Valley Conference the same as the SWAC, the same as the Atlantic Coast Conference, right? Mm -hmm. How many words, do we'll get into how you got involved, but how many words do you think you wrote about the Valley? About the Valley? So 1,300 words per team, so 12 teams. Uh, I'm not a math guy, math my head, but <laughs> yeah, over a hundred thousand. So a lot. So Rob launches this thing and he goes out and he finds some of the best college basketball writers out there, uh, to, to populate this, uh, talk to me about three man weave a little bit. You two other guys were all involved in the almanac kind of what's three man weave and how did you get involved with the almanac? Yeah, Three Man Weave is a, uh, well, it started off as a blog slash website about seven years ago with me and my two buddies. We just did it on the side of our of our normal jobs. You know, I'm an accounting major, um, so that's kind of a, a different field than college basketball, obviously, but we just kept doing it. We um, kind of got known for our previews, our preview content. We 
previewed every single team in the country, tried to give each team love kind of like the Almanac does and, you know, just kind of snowballed and kept getting momentum. And, you know, eventually we were uh, presented with opportunities to join cool places like Field of 68 and right for the Almanac. So you did what you did, the Summit League, you did the Valley, uh, you yep. did a couple other ones, right? Did, did the A-10, did the uh, A-Sun as well. Very good. One of the reasons why I reached out to you is because, again, the, from top to bottom, and I'll put a link up on the victorybell.com of where people can go to get the almanac and also obviously put a link up to the three-man weave. But one of the things that I found was, again, you had so much detail about every team. And for those wondering, like, why, like, why should we trust this guy? You did a projected standings of the top of, of the 12 teams in the Valley. The mm-hmm. preseason poll came out the other day. And you nailed 10 of the 12 in the exact spot. The only one you got wrong, and I'm going to give you a pass on this, is you had Northern Iowa, you had Belmont fifth, Northern Iowa sixth, Mm -hmm. probably not taking into account the fact that everybody loves Northern Iowa in this league, like the media members salivate over uh, Jacobson. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. It's it's, a nice guy. Whole team. Uh Great. I don't have any problems with Northern Iowa, but like everyone walks around with like Northern Iowa is the end all epitome. Mm -hmm. And so I think every year they, and like in uh, the first year that Valpo was in the Valley, I wrote an article where I critiqued the officiating in the league. And from a let from nine fan bases, I didn't hear a word. Northern Iowa let me know that I was not welcome. Oh, sure. Northern Iowa's fans. Let me, you know, (laughs) Hey, look, they're good. They used to win in the NCAA tournament all the time before Valpo was in the league. And now like, I haven't seen them have a lot of success, but again, anyway, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm going to get dunked on by all of Northern Iowa. Now. <laughs> I, I just know this is going to happen, but again, they, they're a slot higher than I think they probably should be. And, uh, and so I think you had them right. So you had Drake, Bradley, Southern Illinois, Missouri state, Belmont, Northern Iowa, Indiana state, Murray state, Valpo ninth, Illinois state, UIC and Evansville from a 10,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. If if you describe the Valley in one or two sentences this year, what do you see? Uh, Just extremely competitive, right? Like it is always Um, top to bottom. It's arguably the best mid-major league in the country, right? I mean, it's physical and and it got better. I, in my opinion, this season, despite Loyola leaving the additions of Belmont and Murray state, just make it that much deeper, that much better. So here's an interesting question for you. Um, And I'm not trying to put, you directly on the spot for this, but if I look at the almanac, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and which is, again, it's 814 pages. I think it is. That's, that's right. Yeah. Under the table of contents, you've got you, the almanac does not mm-hmm. you as ACC, big 12, big East, big 10, pack 12, sec. Those are the top six, right? The power five mm-hmm. and the big East is what we call them. And then there's another group of American, a10 mountain west west coast they're the next four and then there's everybody else mm-hmm. and the valley is loop is in with everybody else right mm-hmm. they're in with the horizon league they're in with the summit league they're in with all that like what is the i think those of us who cover the league day in and day out have a perception of what this league can be mm-hmm. from your perspective as more of a national guy what does the valley what is it like, is it a mid-major? Is it a third-tier mid-major? Or is it kind of what, where does the Valley look to maybe kind of the outside world, not the beat writers that are in this day in, day out? Yeah, I think for me, there's Power Six. So I include Big East and say Power Six. There's High Major, which I say American, Mountain West, A-10, uh, 
WCC. And then there's kind of a weird, I agree, area of like a Conference USA, Missouri Valley. Um, sometimes one or two other leagues will jump in there, but it's kind of a no man's land between mid-major, high-major. You know, you can throw whatever label you want on it. I'd say most people would say the Valley is a mid-major league, um, but it's still a league that can get multiple bids to a tournament on any given year. It's still, in my opinion, you know, the 11th, 12th best league uh, year in, year out. Um, so, yeah, I guess I sort of categorize it like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. They used to be kind of neck and neck with the Mountain West. They would do the mm-hmm. Valley Mountain West Challenge. And then obviously Creighton leaves, Wichita State leaves. Valpo comes in, hasn't had the success. Uh, you know, Loyola came in, had great success. They leave now. Valpo comes in, hasn't had the success that they that they probably wanted. They did have, have reached one Valley Conference title game, but they've not finished in the top half of the league yet. Um, and now Belmont, Murray State, and, uh, and UIC are coming in. Um, again, Belmont, you know, the first top storyline you have is Belmont, Murray State, new kids on the block. Will they carry their dominance over? Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be tough for Murray State, right? They've got a whole new team. Yep, they sure do. Yeah, one guy's coming back, DJ Burns. Yeah, they're uh, and so so I don't think anyone really knows what to think about Murray State because again mm-hmm. they've got they, they they all their guys left they all went uh, I mean did they all end up at LSU I don't even know where they all ended up yeah a few guys went to LSU KJ Williams was their big player last year followed McMahon to LSU and so Belmont is here they've got Ben Shepard I voted him for the first team you voted him for the first team as well mm-hmm. uh, should be noted that you, uh, the Valley did some stupid stuff this year where they have six guys on their first team, which I think goes against I everything I believe. <laughs> but uh, but you nailed uh, the top five. You got Roman Penn from Drake, Ben Shepard from Belmont, Tucker DeVries from Drake, Marcus Damas from Southern Illinois, and Rink Mast from Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, had you left Mast off, you would have heard it from the Bradley fan base. They, oh, uh, sure. Yeah, they're, they're just as passionate as Northern Iowa. Um, <laughs> but uh, And then you've got two guys from Valpo on the second team, Kobe King and yeah. Ben um, we'll get into the league in a second, but I guess I do want to look at Valpo for a second, because again, I'm always fascinated by how the team I cover day in and day out looks to the outside world. So talk to me about your process of writing 1300 words about Valpo. What did you look for and what did you find? Yeah, well, first of all, every preview started with a call with the coach. Um, so talk to Matt Lodick, great guy, um, great conversation. And when you look at Valpo, I think the obvious thing is two really great players, Kobe King, Ben Cricky. And I was at the Loyola game last season when they took Loyola to overtime. I was incredibly impressed by Valpo. You know, I didn't expect them to really be in the game. They're just tough physically, defensively, very Valley uh, typical. But Kobe King looked like he was at a different level. I mean, his his fastball, we'll say, is probably better than anybody's in the league. We're right there. Um, you know, obviously he went to Wisconsin. He has the ability, the pedigree, him returning this season's huge. Um, my worries are the supporting staff of, of Valpo and no offense to, you know, a guy like Preston Rudinger, who Lodic was very complimentary of, but if he's your starting point guard, you know, former walk on freshman, I think that is kind of a problem if you want to try to finish in the top half of the Valley. So Ben Cricky is another guy. He was voted first team all league by, again, he was probably, um, you know, looking in the the order that they put the guys in, sometimes a lot of times the order they put them in, they have DeVries, DeMask, Cricky is third, and then Mask, Penn, and Shepard. They didn't share the, the voting totals. He made your second team, and um, the 
order in which the guys are listed, I think is probably not consequential on the almanac because you got no. Tucker DeVries as player of the year and he's third on the list. But uh, what, what, you know, you talk about Kobe King's fastball, uh, Ben Cricky's a senior who probably is a, mm-hmm. a definition of a guy who's probably got three or four pitches in his arsenal. Yeah, definitely. And he's, you, you don't, there's only a handful of dominant big men, I think in this league and Kirky's one of them. And I know you guys play through him in the post. Uh, he's very versatile. Uh, he really came on last year out of nowhere, in my opinion. I thought Kithier was sort of the the expected dominant player in the front court last year for Valpo, but it was Cricky, and he really turned into a go-to guy for them. And when you can have a guy in the backcourt and the front court that can do multiple things like King and Cricky can do, it's a pretty good start. Uh, and again, if it was those two guys and maybe some of your guys from last year, like Taylor and Edwards coming back, I'd probably be pretty high on Valpo. Um, there's just enough question marks in this team that has me hesitant. You have this. Uh, I always love this because it's it's interesting. I don't think I ever get a chance to do these because, you know, when you're a beat reporter, you're a little too close to it. But you have this anonymous poll of league coaches that you were yeah. able to get some fun answers to. Um, how, you know, you know, you have breakout player Bowen Bourne from Northern Iowa. Player scares you the most, Tucker DeVries from Drake, also the best pro prospect. And I don't think there's any question about that. The mm-hmm. guy's going to going to play. Uh, I love best X's and O's coach, Brian Wardle. Um, he's had some, some mm-hmm. very good games and very bad games. Uh, Interesting answer, right? I was surprised yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and then sleeper team, Indiana state. I actually, I'm very high on them too. I think I voted them higher yeah. than what they were projected to finish, but what were, what were some of these conversations like with league coaches? Uh, obviously not asking you to out what anybody said, mm-hmm. but, but were, were they, was, was it, was it immediately like, oh, Tucker DeVries is by far the player that scares the most? Was there anybody else that was on that list? So the anonymous poll is actually taken by Jeff Goodman uh, okay. with these coaches. So I was I was removed from the actual polling process. Uh, so I, I, I wanted I, to hold I, off. As, <laughs> I wanted to hold off as long as possible to let people know that Jeff Goodman was involved. Yeah, yeah. Because it might have people might have checked out right away. But yes, Jeff right. Goodman, who also when he walks in the room. Everyone knows who Rob is. Everyone knows who Goodman is. It's, exactly. uh, it's quite fun. So, um, okay. So looking at the top, right, you've got Drake. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, with Tucker DeVries, the coach's kid, which is generally something that Valpo used to be known for a long time ago. Um, it, it, Drake, Bradley, Southern Illinois, are those an easy top three? Was there any other team that threatened to kind of get into that mix? I think Drake's an easy one. You know, the, the guys they have coming back this year, Assuming healthy, I think it's pretty a unanimous decision. And Bradley and Southern Illinois, in some order, I feel pretty comfortable with. I think the real question marks begin when it's four through nine, right? You could probably put a lot of teams in different orders in that in that uh, group. Yeah, you know, I, I when I voted, I got I got one, 10, 11, and twelve correct. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of the other. I got eight of the other teams. Excuse me, um, uh, six of the other teams. <clears throat> within one spot. And then I think I was off on Belmont and I was off on Indiana state or maybe I know I was, I was off on Northern Iowa. I had them pick seventh and that's probably just because, you know, I like to rile up their fan base. It's, it's defensible though. Yeah. I think but, it's but defensible. Yeah, I felt like four through nine was, I mean, just kind of stand at the top of the stairs, throw them down and see where they right. land, you know? And, and, uh, but really one, two and three feels pretty, pretty <laughs> set in stone going into the preseason. Now word just came out um yesterday from drake media day or something that roman penn yeah. hasn't practiced all year uh mm-hmm. yet and uh and there's questions about his health and you know again he's like a seventh year guy um mm-hmm. 
They made it to the NCAA tournament two years ago. They knocked off Wichita State in the first four in the bubble year. Um, they are, uh, they're certainly good. Are they good enough, though? I haven't even really looked at their schedule. Can they lose in the conference title game and get an at-large? Do you know if they have the kind of schedule? Does anyone in the Valley have the kind of non-conference schedule that can manipulate the net enough to get an at-large? Yeah, I just quickly pulled up Drake's schedule here. You know, maybe. Um, if they run the table, obviously they have a good shot in the non-conference, but yeah, that's, that's what sucks about these, these type of mid-majors that's like the Valley, these teams are too good. So good teams don't want to schedule them and scheduling is a nightmare for these, for these uh, sort of teams where the bigger conference teams don't want to lose, right? They want to take the loss in their schedule and it makes it tough to build a resume. I think Drake's good enough, you know, schedule, ignoring schedule to get in at large. I think even there's a world where Southern Illinois and Bradley are good enough for the non-con to get in at large. Um, I think the Valley deserves that respect as well. Missouri State is a team and Murray, Missouri State and Murray State have both redesigned their entire rosters. Yeah, completely. What were those conversations like with uh, with Coach Prom and with Coach uh, Dana Ford of, of just uh, were they longer conversations than with other coaches because there's so much to get through? Yeah, it, it was funny. Uh, yeah, you have to go down the list of each guy, right, <laughs> when, when they were kind of brand new. But, yeah, Ford was pretty confident, I, I would say, overall. You know, it could be a lot of coach speak, but he seemed to think they were in great shape this year, wasn't really worried about losing Prem and Mosley, who you have two of the best players in the Valley the last several years. Um, I'm a little bit more skeptical. You know, I, I don't think we've seen Ford take a ton of different pieces and mesh them together like he has to do this season. So there's definitely some question marks there. I believe in Prome a little bit more because we've seen him do it already at Murray State. You know, his teams were amazing. He let, he laid the groundwork for a guy like Matt McMahon uh, last season. And while he didn't perform too well at Iowa State, I think he still has the chops to be a good coach. He was in the car when we had our conversation, so his was a little bit uh, more abbreviated. But he sort of said the same thing. He's excited about his guys, and it's a lot of different pieces, and that's the challenge this year. Of the bottom three teams of the league, the mm -hmm. bottom three voted on. I don't want to say bottom three, but you have Illinois State, young, energetic coach, first-time coach, yeah. Ryan uh, uh, Padon. Pidon? Uh, I think it's Peden, but I'm not positive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, UIC, again, he's been – Luke Yaklich been there for a couple of years, but, yeah. but again, very energetic. And mm -hmm. then you've got former Valpo assistant and really former assistant of every school in the country, Dave Wright, right. <laughs> at Evansville. Which one – you know – you. You got you got fifty bucks to go to FanDuel or DraftKings or anything mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I don't know if you guys. I know you write about gambling on Three Man Weave. I don't know if you have a gambling yeah. partner. So whatever whatever partner you have, Bet Rivers. <laughs> I know Rob's a Bet Rivers guy. You got fifty dollars to go. Who are you putting that fifty on of those three teams to to finish in the top half of the conference? Illinois State for sure. Uh, I, he has the roster, Peden. I think to make that run. Um, I just kind of. Well, I was more wait and see with him. First year head coach, uh, as all three of these guys are, well, not Yaklich, but his roster construction, his talent is a lot higher than UIC and Evansville. I mean, Seneca Knight was an all-conference Mountain West guy back in the day at San Jose State. You know, he went to LSU, BYU, uh, and he's got two guards, Burford and Sandage, that were all-conference guys at their previous schools. So the talent is definitely there for Illinois State to make a, a run towards the top half. Yeah, it's just interesting just looking at their roster. It's like I Liam, uh yeah, McChesney. Yeah. Um 
other than that, I mean, Kendall Lewis has been there for a while, but, mm-hmm. uh, and Luke Kazabuki is a transfer, um, that, uh, he, he was a Valpo went after him. And I actually had the opportunity when he was in high school, I was, I kind of went on a recruiting, uh, trip with one of the Valpo assistants that, that ended up never turning into a story, but, but Kazabuki yeah. was the guy that they went to look at. And it was quite fun to kind of see that kind of unfold. Um, yeah, Shamanad guy. Yeah. Indiana State, again, according to Goodman in, in his anonymous poll, is the sleeper team. Mm-hmm. They, they're in the second year of an era with uh, Josh Shirts, brought in a lot of guys, but you and McCauley is the uh, is the newcomer of the year guy. What, what do you know about McCauley and, and what, what are your thoughts here on Indiana State? Yeah, so McCauley was a guy that played uh, under Shirts previously at Lincoln Memorial. Um, so he knows him inside and out. And he was a very high scorer when he was in D2. He didn't see a ton of run at DePaul. But Schertz was assuring me on the phone over and over again that this guy can score. He can be the number one option. I think last year you saw Indiana State kind of get a, a bum deal. I mean, they had so many guys in and out of the lineup all season. Tyree Key didn't even play. So I, I think you're going to see a completely different team this year. They did bring a lot back. There's a lot of talent. And I think Schertz is a fantastic coach, as he proved it at LMU and D2. I think he really puts everything together this season. It's really interesting. He's got a lot of pieces. Jason Kent transferred from Bradley. He brings in mm-hmm. Trenton Gibson, the D2 player who, who uh, you know, again, it's, it's a bummer that Tyreek Key is gone because I right. feel like this team's going to take take a big step forward. Um, any other uh, any other team or player, anything stand out to you? Or something that you, you can't wait to see? I, you know, you're based in Chicago, so can UIC kind of – you know, it's going to take a long time. The Loyola yeah, wasn't yeah. good when they joined the Valley. No. It took them a long time. So can UIC, what do they need to do to kind of maybe uh, uh, pick up the city's mantle there in terms of uh, the Valley? Yeah, it's going to take some time. I agree. I- I'm a fan of Yaklich. You know, even when he was on the bench at, at Michigan, I-, I, th- I thought he was going to be a star on the coaching ranks. And he still could be. Um, they just need better players, frankly. And Demario Franklin was a guy that was supposed to be on their team this season. Average 18 points a game last year, just transferred to, transferred to Memphis two months ago. So that's a pretty tough spot to be in. You know, their backcourt right now is a Bakersfield guy and an Idaho guy. So it's just not up to snuff right now um, for where they need to be in the Valley. And it's a step up. The horizon's just not as good a, 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 as the Valley. Um, it's going to take a few years for them. I mean, the thing with Franklin that's interesting is he's still not cleared. At he's Memphis. not, no. And I think UIC is kind of dragging their heels about this a little bit. And, and I actually found it funny. Uh, this, this got some play earlier this week in uh, on Twitter with some of the national guys taking a look at it here. And, uh, and I just thought to myself, you know, if UIC had a large media presence that cared about UIC, like a beat writer or something like that, mm-hmm. that maybe this would have been more of a publicly known thing, you know, this guy yeah, leaving yeah. all of that stuff. It just, uh, just wasn't the case. Um, uh, while you're here, um, one way for the Valley to get more teams in the NCAA tournament would be to expand the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. This has been a, a kind of a big topic, a conversation in the last couple of days. It's kind of blown up on social media. Uh, would you expand the tournament? No, I think it's perfect. I, I don't want to mess the good thing. I felt like it would be a real rough deal for Rob if they changed the way yeah, right. teams because he's <laughs> the field of 68. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, looking back at the Almanac Almanac experience um, from, from phone call one to publish to hit hitting send on your thing. How, how long did you spend examining Gosh. the Valley? 
Uh, the Valley, uh, months. I mean, we started in June of this process and, you know, I, I called 51 coaches during the summer, you know, put in hours of work writing it. And there's a lot of editing behind the scenes. Um, and I'm a St. Louis guy. I'm from St. Louis. So I've always loved the Missouri Valley. I went to Arch Madness as a kid growing up. So it was a real treat to be able to do this and get to cover the teams that I pretty much grew up watching. And so what is the, uh, what is the college basketball season? You are based out of Chicago, right? I'm Chicago. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So what, I mean, what is the, do you go to a lot of games? Do you, uh, do you yeah. have uh, NCAA Sunday ticket or whatever we would call it? <laughs> um, what, what's, what's the season look like for you? Yeah, I definitely try to watch a lot of games when I'm in Chicago. And uh, I do try to go to a lot. I like to schedule road trips um, to go see some games. My wife luckily likes to come with me. So we kind of make it a, a Midwest sort of uh, a driving experience. Uh, this year, I'm going to Portland, actually, to the PK-85. Nice. Uh, covering that, it's going to be a great tournament. But, yeah, I need to hit more Valley schools, though. I, I haven't been to too many. Um, uh, they're, they're, home, they're home floors. And I really enjoy seeing the atmospheres of all these schools, the different uh, the differences in arenas. Yeah, well, you know, Valpo will uh, will make you feel like you're back at high school to a yeah. degree. Time. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it's interesting. If Valpo's good, and the fans are out, it's one of the best mid-major experiences out there. And I've been to a lot of mid-major arenas. If they're not good and the students are not in, like if it's a game on a on a on a break, like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So so if you're going to come to Valpo, come during come when you know it's a it's a good game. Uh, let me Portland is. I went out there. Valpo played at Oregon and Oregon State a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that was amazing. And uh, just the the tour of all the donut shops in Portland. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> That's good I, stuff. There was a uh, a former uh, Valpo basketball player from Portland, and he and his mom took me on a tour of all the the donut shops. So I, get, I hope you get to hit those up, get some CBD oil and a donut. Oh yeah, I have to. You know, <laughs> it sounds so, wonderful. Uh, who's going to win the national championship this year? Uh, you know, I'm always the Gonzaga guy. I have been for saying for years, so we'll say this is their year, Gonzaga. I know Houston's pretty pretty uh a hot pick right now too is gonzaga a mid-major no not at all <laughs> <laughs> it's always a fun question we always enjoy that uh, yeah. hey kai thank you so much for joining awesome uh everyone go check out the almanac again i'll have some links up there to see and and, and go see the three-man weave and it's just such a great site the previews are fantastic a whole top 40 breakdown with twitter threads for everything uh you guys are great on twitter um and, and just i love it it's great Yeah, much appreciated, Paul. Uh, Thanks for having me. 